I'm Sam Carter. And I'm Dean Lowry. This is Carter and Lowry. Let's get started. Welcome back to Carter and Lowry, episode number 73. It is with a great regret that we announce that the Kansas Jayhawks have won the 2022 Men's Basketball Division I Championship. Uh, 72 uh, to 69 over the famed Tar Heels, North Carolina, as an eight seed. Hubert Davis makes it to the championship in his first season. Um, Charles blowed the biggest lead in championship game history of 16 points. Um, Sam, give us uh, give us everything here. Um, you know, I knew that going up 16 points going into halftime. I knew that that would not last, but I did not think that we would come out so flat in the second half. I think we're outscored by, I don't, I don't even know, but it was embarrassing. Um, you know, my heart goes out to uh, Leaky Black and Brady Manick, who have definitely played their last college game. Um, it was it was a sad sad ending to this great run. Yeah, what a team and uh honestly what a performance uh throughout the the course of the March and February for to be you know frank and I mean April I guess. Played a couple games there. Uh but Sam Hubert Davis's first season, uh how would you grade it on a eight F scale? Um, this is a hundred percent with extra credit. Um, this team did had like nobody would have thought that this like if you had told anybody that Carolina was going to the Final Four playing for a national championship, I don't think anyone would believe you. Um, and you know this is almost the same team that Roy Williams had last year, so. You know, it 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 shows that, you know, it was time for Roy to retire. And, you know, I think that what this really shows is that Huber Davis is the guy. Yeah, and that he is. And, Sam, let's peel back the end here, break down the game. And so we go in the halftime with a 15-point lead. Puff Jones make all the plays. Defense is solid. Uh, How did you feel at that point? I I felt good. Because I thought that we would come out, you know, second half with, you know, similar uh, energy. Um, But, you know, I did not feel confident, especially after the Baylor game. Um, You know, you just, you cannot get complacent in these games, especially March Madness. Um, Mm. So, I did not feel super confident at halftime. Well, I would say it was more of an emotionally drained uh, situation. I think the adrenaline of the first half really kept them going, but I think they were just too tired in the end to finish. Um, Armando and Caleb obviously both twisting their ankles. I think it was just just fatigue from that Duke game, and that's what was going to happen. I predicted it. We both said that the winner of uh, the UNC Duke game was just not going to have the energy to finish, and, uh, and that was particularly true. And then second half, I had something to Kansas. They played incredibly down the stretch. And I got to ask you, Sam, 
Puff Johnson emerged, even though he threw up on the court uh, in the second half with 11 points. Uh, do you, how much does this show you his potential uh, for next year? Um, you know, what I saw from him was really good because he was scoring when nobody else could. You know, we saw Caleb Love do that against Duke, and we saw R.J. Davis do that against Baylor. Um, you know, he he kept us in that game defensively and offensively. So I think the future is bright for him. Yeah, I really do. And uh, I think that, you know, it's a situation where, you know, it's really just, you know, how can you tell, you know, is this a fluke? Um, but I think he will have a chance to be the sixth man uh, next year. Obviously, uh, got a lot to talk about with next season. Um, but Sam, would you say the future is bright or do you think that this is just kind of a, a candle in the wind situation with Brady Manick? Um, or do you think that this team can keep it going and maybe get a one or two seed uh, next year? Well, I think that this team has a lot of confidence. Um, you know, hopefully all of these guys return, including Baycott. Um, you know, I think, I think that with the same team and then hopefully recruits coming in next next year, this we we could definitely I don't know get back to the national championship, but um, for sure be a high seed. Yeah, obviously a lot of potential there. Um, but obviously this Kansas team will be looking to repeat, but they're going to lose a lot of players. Uh, so early, the way too early top twenty five. Uh, does have the Tar Heels uh, at the fifth spot. Uh, so we just wow. see there, uh, Kansas at four, Arkansas at one, uh, with a, a lot of guys returning there. Duke at six. Um, so just a lot of excitement to unpack next year. Um, but, you know, if there's a win, we'd probably be talking about this more. Uh, but Sam, just looking at the final aspect of the game, uh, what do you think of Caleb Love's six for 21 shooting? Uh, you think he was taking bad shots? Or you think it was just they weren't going down uh, last night? Um, I think that I think that they were just they weren't they weren't he wasn't hitting. I don't think that they were bad shots because he was making them in other games. You know, I I, I hate to hear all this. Oh, Caleb Love sucks. We need a we need new guards. It's like come on, he he's the reason that we're here along with R.J. Davis along with Brady Manick, along with Baycott, I think that it's completely unfair to look at it like it's his fault. Um, I think that, that you know, he just was not hitting last night. Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time in basketball. Uh, but it's to see it there. And uh, my final question to you, Sam, is how much did the health of Armando Baycott affected his play and performance uh, last night? I think that with a completely healthy Baycott, we win that game. You know, because we get up 16 and we have a healthy Baycott stuffing McCormick, who had a decent game, who would have had a worse game if it was Baycott guarding him instead of um, instead of Manic down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some really big plays there at the end that I don't think that Baycott would have let up. Yeah, it's uh, tough to see it happen that way. Um, but interesting note, they did figure out that the floorboard that Armando Baycott sprained his ankle on in the final minute 
uh, was uh, disjointed and not uh, screwed in properly. Mm. So interesting to see there uh, in the national championship. Uh, but that does it uh, for this college basketball season. And Sam, looking at the tournament as a whole, obviously you said you weren't that excited because you thought Carolina wasn't going to be you know, as prominent, but they made it all the way to the national championship. Uh, give us uh, just a quick ranking on this uh, on this uh, tournament out of 10. Um, out of 10, it was a 10. You know, of course, it didn't end like we wanted it to. But, you know, with the upsets, with the St. Peter's run, with the Duke-Carolina matchup in the Final Four, a really entertaining uh, national championship game, if you look at it from a you know, unbiased standpoint, um, I think it's a 10 out of 10. Mm. And now we're going to do a little award show. Uh, no no uh, slapping uh, at this one. Uh, just a little best awards uh, for March Madness. So, Sam, uh, give us your favorite team that you saw this tournament. My favorite team, and I'm gonna I'm gonna not choose Carolina. Just yeah. Let's see. I feel like the obvious answer is um, is St. Peter's. Uh, just because you know the 15 seed. Gets to the Elite Eight, you know, Doug Eater. Uh, but, you know, that team is dispersing with transfers and hirings. But still, I'm going to go with St. Peter's. Yeah, I agree with you. That's the obvious answer. But I think that, um, you know, I really liked watching Miami. Um, yeah. And I really uh, enjoyed, uh, you know, that St. Peter's run. But, you know, a lot of. A lot of solid teams. Michigan uh, made their way through the tournament. Or Jawan Howard trying to save his legacy and his job, really. Um, but next up, uh, most uh, overperforming team in the tournament, Sam. Um, the overperforming team, you know, that could also be St. Peter's, but I think this is Carolina. The overperforming team, actually, no, I think I think Carolina matched what their potential was. Whereas I think maybe, like you just said, Miami overperformed. Hmm. Um, I don't think that they were really that good of a team, but they played way above their heads. Um, just wish they could have taken down Kansas. All right, and uh, last one here. Uh, most underwhelming team or team that lets you down the most? Um, I think Duke let me down, thankfully. But um, I think that what I really noticed was that Bancaro needs to work on that defense. Um, mm. He is not going to make it in the NBA with the BS that I saw in that Duke-Carolina game. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love took him to the well. I can't even count on my fingers the amount of times that Bancaro was jellied on. I mean, come on. Sorry. Sorry performance by Ben Carroll. I'm going to say Gonzaga was the most disappointing team in this tournament. Uh, you know, Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren, the ultimate front court in college basketball, uh, and they just let me down. Um, but I am excited. I'm so excited uh, for next year. I know that's crazy to think about, but I think the Duke-UC rivalry will be amped up. I think we'll get a top five matchup in that rivalry. And I think that, you know, there's a sort of, 
there's a resurgence now. There's a there's a precedent that has been set for the ACC uh, with Duke and Carolina making the Final Four. And so now uh, it's time for them to shine again uh, and be reborn in the era of transfers. And I think it's uh, it's definitely possible. And uh, Sam, with that, that closes our coverage of uh, the college basketball season. And finally, before we go, uh, favorite game, Tar Heel or not, of the college basketball season to watch? The whole season? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the um, the second-to-last Duke-Carolina game at Cameron. Um, you know, that was similar to this most recent Duke-Carolina Final Four matchup, but without the stress. Or there was stress, but it wasn't as monumental. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, there was not a lot of pressure on UNC in that game, and to finally, to end Coach K. Let's hope he doesn't pull a Tom Brady or Michael Jordan and come back. But um, I think that that means a lot, and you know, for it to be this team's sort of defining moment. I know they beat Duke in the Final Four, but I just feel like that was it. That was the pinnacle this year. Uh, but Sam, any final thoughts? Nope. Alright, that's gonna do it for this segment. We'll be right back with a little NBA playoff preview. Welcome back to Cardinal Larry, and wow, the NBA uh is just dawning into its playoff picture uh as the uh NCAA closes in the sunset of uh Kansas Red. Uh here we have the ultimate uh in the regular season, the final week. Playoff scenarios decided. Playoff seating decided. And let's get you up to date on the standings before we talk about anything else. First, in the East, uh, the Heat, Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers hold the top four seeds. All of them have clinched the playoffs. In the West, the Suns, Grizzlies, Warriors, Mavericks uh, hold the uh, top four seeds, and they have all clinched a playoff spot. And looking at the Charlotte Hornets, they're 40-38. and 38, uh, Ninth in the Eastern Conference last week, they beat the Knicks and lost to the Sixers. This week, they will play the Heat, Magic, Bulls, and Wizards. That rhymed. But, Sam, this week is critical. Looking at the Eastern Conference playing situation, I know there's a lot of information I'm throwing at you. Yeah. The Cavaliers, 43-36. Hawks, 41-37. Hornets, 40-38. Nets, 40-38. Here's the tiebreaker situation. The Hornets hold the tiebreaker over the Hawks and the Nets. But, if there's a three-way tie, the Hornets hold the second tiebreak in that situation mm. somehow i don't know how that works out but believe me okay sam looking at the eastern conference play-in situation what seed i mean obviously the eight seed is the goal because you can you know afford to lose a game and still make the playoffs uh how many wins do you think the horns are gonna have to get to in the current situation to guarantee themselves that eight spot before the play-in uh, like, how many wins in, on the season? Uh, obviously, there are 40 right now. Um, let's see. Let's hope I do this math right. Um, I think... Hmm, I'm going to say we need two more wins, so 42. Mm. I think we got to beat the Magic and the Wizards. You know, the Heat are going to be hard to beat, and the Bulls are going to be hard to beat. Yeah, the Bulls definitely struggling a little bit after the uh, 
the All-Star break, but I think it's got to be 43. Uh, just with the Hawks, I don't think they're going to lose. I mean, they have a, uh, a moderately difficult schedule, but I just don't think they're going to lose three games here. And the Nets, uh, they're just kind of the wild card right now. Um, so I think that you got to beat either the Heat or the, Wizard, Heat or the Bulls, and you got to win the Magic and Wizards game. I'm going to the Magic game, uh, so they're definitely going to win that one because I'm there. Um, but Sam, making a little look into the Oracle of Sam Carter. Mm. It looks like the Raptors and Bulls got those five and six locked up. Yeah. Who do you think? What do you think is going to be the order of teams in the Eastern Conference playing tournament? Um, I think that the let's see. So you're saying that if the Hawks beat the Nets, they'll they'll yeah the Hawks. The Hawks should not hold a tiebreaker over the Nets. So if they tie in the standings, the Nets will be ahead of them. Okay. Um, I think that the Nets will win that game. And mm. then I think that I think it will be Cavs, Nets, Hornets, Hawks. All right. So, I mean, a lot uh, to sort of decide. Um, but a lot of exciting, exciting basketball this week. Uh, so don't worry too much about uh, the you know you know sorrow or maybe joy uh, if you're a Kansas fan uh, you know of the NCAA and, and just enjoy some NBA basketball. Uh, but yeah, looking in the winning West, winning it all. No winning at all. There you go. But in the West, uh, the Suns have clinched the best record in the uh, league. The Grizzlies have uh, the like second seed pretty much locked up, and Sam. Just taking a look at this, uh, I have not updated it. the Warriors, but the Warriors are the three seed. Uh, Sam, just taking a look at the Western Conference standings, uh, what really sticks out to you as a surprise uh, at this point in the season? I mean, it's got to be the Grizzlies. I, I think I saw somewhere they they went on like a 10-2 and two run without John Morant. So that just shows that they're a good team, even without their star player. Um, I think that them getting the second seed is the biggest shock maybe of the season. So, hmm. Well, yeah, I would completely agree with you. Um, it's going to be a fierce battle in the West. Obviously, the Suns feeling they deserved uh, to win the championship last year. Not deserved, but with the better team. And I uh, feel they have a, a title to reclaim uh, this season, if you will. And uh, Sam, looking at the playing situation, you got the Timberwolves, uh, the Clippers, the Pelicans, and the Spurs. Lakers will almost certainly be eliminated. Uh, do you see any chance the Pelicans getting Zion back? Do you see the Pelicans or Spurs having any chance of beating the Timberwolves or Clippers in a play-in game situation? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I don't. Oh, wait. Actually, I do see the Pelicans, not the Spurs, though. Yeah, the Spurs just completely lacking on that. Defensive end of the ball. And, uh, you know, the Pelicans might be getting Zion back according to Zion's step, dad. Um, so, you know, maybe something could happen there. Uh, it would be interesting to see them make it to the playoffs since they have made it with Zion. You know, his Zion's not been playing that much, so there's just a lot in the air there. Uh, but we will continue uh, that coverage. Uh, can't wait. Next week, we'll be talking about the playing game. The Hornets are guaranteed to be in the playing tournament. You know, they can't make the playoffs without it or miss it. So we'll be talking about the Hornets playing tournament 
on Thursday, Wednesday, I mean, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday next week, and then the playoffs start on Friday um, next week. Uh, but a lot of excitement going on there. Uh, so, Sam, just looking at into the Oracle, you say, you know, we're going to go 2-2 two and two next week. Do you stand by that firm as your prediction for next week is 2-2? Two and two? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to say 3-1. I think the, this Warriors team's got it. Gord coming back into the lineup. Uh, so, looking for that. Getting ready for that play-in tournament. Trying to make the playoffs the first time since 2016. Six years. Haven't won a series in 20 years. So, uh... You know, this could be this could be it for the Hornets finally making it to the playoffs. And let's get a little emotional here, Sam, or less analytical. Uh, what would it mean to you uh, for the Hornets to make it into the playoffs and just get into a series uh, this season? Um, I mean, it would it would show that you know the Hornets are working towards something. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like for so long the Hornets were just an NBA team. This is a playoff team, you know, like, like we're doing stuff. We're not just stagnant, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like you're right. You know, every year it was just the Kimball Walker, the nine seed, the nine seed, the nine seed. And, you know, I've seen real progress. I'm seeing later in games, uh, the Hornets are performing better. Obviously, this is a lot, much better Eastern Conference this year. Oh, so that's tough to contend with, um, but... Still got a chance, got to finish strong, and hopefully, if we get another chance to get the eighth seed, we don't have another disaster in Washington like last year. That was a nightmare. Um, if you remember that, that was the famous game where we blew a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter, all thanks to Devontae Graham. Um, but he's gone now, and uh, things are looking up for the show of Hornets. Lamella Ball. He's uh, hanging out with ADT Lilly, and, uh, you know, things are looking up. But a lot of pressure on this week in particular um, for the Hornets. A tough game against the Heat tonight. Magic on Thursday, Bulls on Saturday, and the Washington Wizards on Sunday. All right, that is going to do it uh, for this little NBA segment uh, before the playing tournament. Sam, any final thoughts? Nope. All right, that is going to do it uh, for our NBA segment. And we'll be right back with a little MLB preview with Jack Cole. All right, welcome back to Cordon Lowry, and I am here with the MLB analyst, Jack Cole. And Jack, you know, I got to ask you a quick question, you know, every guest. Uh, what is the best type of Skittle, in your opinion? Oh, best type of Skittle? Yeah, you know, like the best, not like flavor, but like, you know, there's like tropical, wild berry, oh. sour. Oh, it's got to be, it's got to be wild berry. It's tropical. Like the mango one is unbelievable. Mm -mm, Wild berries, they're all good. Wild berries. I mean, I just think that's just not the take that we need right now. Mm. But one thing we do need right now is baseball. And opening day is here on Thursday the 7th, just two days away. And, Jack, we got some exciting matchups. The defending champion Braves will be playing the Reds. Um... And, you know, a lot of matchups, you know, growing out, you have the Red Sox versus the, against the Yankees at 1 o'clock. And so, Jack, I just ask you, you know, how excited are you for this uh, 2022 uh, MLB season? Oh, I'm so excited, Dean. I mean, to play a normal season, to play all the games, I mean, it was really looking bad at that lockdown. And now that we get to play all the games, I'm just excited to be 
finally have baseball back. And let's look at the ESPN power rankings and some projected records going into the season. Obviously, the Dodgers, with their super, super team, are first uh, the projected record of 101 and 61. And the Blue Jays closely following uh, at uh, 96 and 66. The Braves, obviously, the defending champions at 94 and 68. The White Sox at uh, 93 and 69. And the Astros at fifth in the power rankings. Uh, Jack, what do you think about the AL battle uh, between uh, the the Jays and the Astros? Do you think that how much will Vlad have to step up to you know bring his game uh, to you know give this uh, Toronto team a chance to be the uh, one seed in the AL? I mean, he's going to have to step up, but he is one of the league's rising stars. I mean, he's great. He's actually incredible, and I mean, this could be an MVP season for him if he plays well. He could really help Jays take the title this year. Mm. Uh, big words. And, you know, looking at the season, obviously, you know, there was a lack of spring training. Uh, do you think that will affect any teams? And how will it affect teams like the Dodgers who are, you know, kind of trying to fit some pieces together still? I mean, it'll hurt, you know, not as much practice. Everyone will get a little bit rustier at the start. Um, but in the long run, it's not going to be too bad because they te- these teams practice all off season. It's not like spring training is the only time they can. They have inter-team scrimmages. They'll scrimmage other teams. Like, they get plenty of practice time, so it won't affect them too much. And uh, let's talk about, you know, what do you think about the lineup change uh, for the Dodgers? Adding Freddie Freeman, um, you know, to an already loaded infield. Um, what do you think is the potential of wins that we can see out of this Dodger team this year? Well, I mean, Dodgers are going championship or bust this year. I mean... If we get anything less than a, winning the title, it's a it's a failed season because our infield is so stacked, our outfield is so stacked. We've got an incredible pitching rotation, great bullpen. The stars are really aligning here, and barring any injuries, it'll be a great season. And I gotta ask you, you know, if there's the potential for a lower NLCS, I guess it was was it the NLCS or NLDS. CS uh, rematch uh, between the Braves and the Dodgers. Uh, how do you see that matchup going? Look, Dodgers are coming back different this year. We're going to win. We're going to beat the Braves. I mean, that's all there is to say about it. Dodgers over Braves. Well, I mean, a lot of a lot of words coming out of his mouth right now that I'm, I'm not liking. Um, but that's just the Los Angeles mentality. I think they're better than everybody else. Uh, but let's talk about, you know, some moves. Uh, let's talk about specifically the surprise team of last year, the San Francisco Giants. How do you think they fare after that crushing uh, defeat to the Dodgers last year in the NLDS? I don't think they're going to be good. Honestly, they had a fluke season last year. They lost Buster Posey, their star catcher. He was the face of the franchise. They're just, I mean, they might be good but they're going to need all of their old players to step up again and their new players to step up. They've got no one tested, no one who's been good consistently in the last couple of years. So they need another miracle season to be good. And uh, obviously uh, the team that, you know, people want to look out for uh, in the AL that has not been mentioned yet that I've not said is the uh, Red Sox. Uh, How do you think their chances fare this season? The Red Sox aren't going to be any good this season. They're, they sold too much a couple seasons ago, and we got vets. They're still on the comeback. They'll be good in a couple of seasons, but they're still in their rebuild process. 
And what about uh, the Lakers of and the Cowboys of the uh, MLB, the New York Yankees? This young core has been talked about for years. It has never come into fruition uh, to lead to a World Series run. What is it going to take for this Aaron Judge uh, core to make it to a World Series this year? I mean, they're all going to have to step up. Aaron Judge is great, but he's no one player could take a team to the championship. So the whole team's going to have to step up. Now they've got a really solid lineup like they do every year, but recently they just haven't been great. I mean, especially compared to the other incredible AL teams like the Blue Jays and the Astros. I mean. Yeah, I mean, they just kind of, I feel like they've just fallen flat uh, these past couple seasons. Um, but, you know, a lot to come. Uh, we'll bring in Jack. Uh, hopefully about once a month, uh, definitely at the All-Star break, and uh, definitely for those playoffs. Um, so, I mean, it's just exciting stuff this year. And, Jack, my final question for you is, how do you think the fan relationship is uh, with uh, the league? I do you think ticket sales will be dropping for a moment after the uh, tumultuous uh, 99-day lockout? I think they're going to rise. I mean, people are desperate to get back to baseball. Everybody wants to be there. They want to feel that energy again, especially after – such a weird last few seasons. I mean, the lockout, COVID, like it's all been very weird. And hopefully we can get back on track with this season. So I think uh, ticket sales are going to go up. All right, well, uh, time will tell. Uh, hoping for a great uh, 2022 season. Uh, but that's all the time we have for this segment. Uh, but we'll be right back with our master specialist, Reed Weichel, uh, to give us some picks there. Uh, thank you, Jack, for your time. And uh, your takes on Skittles, they're terrible. Tropical skills all the way. All right, we'll see you in the next segment. Welcome back to Cardinal Lowry, and we are back with a little springtime tradition, unlike any other, the Masters. And I'm here with our Master Specialist, Reed Weichel. Reed, my random question for you as our guest today. What is the best kind of apple? I feel like anyone who says something that isn't a green apple is completely wrong. Green apples, the ones that hit the hardest. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. It's got to be Granny Smith for me. Um, you know, I, I just, they got to be crisp. You know, I can't have like a, a lukewarm apple. You know, I want it, when I bite into it, I want it to make like a crispy sound. You know, if it's a soft yeah, apple, it better come with sugar and cinnamon. There you go. He said it best. Um, but now it is time to talk about. We're doing a little part of the interruption style. Uh, quick headlines. First up, Tiger Woods announces today in his press conference that he intends to play in this Masters. Fred Couple says if he can walk, he can win. Uh, Reed, how do you feel about this assertion, and do you feel that, assuming he does play, yeah, he will be in contention come Sunday? We haven't seen real professional golf from him since that ever-infamous car wreck a few months ago. I don't think he'll be in it on Sunday. I think he may go out, have a good day, and really garner a lot of attention. I'll be at the Masters on Friday, and I'm sure I'll be able to see a few of his shots. I'm very, very excited to see how he does returning to professional golf and seeing if he looks like he can actually put up a fight and win some more. But as of now, I don't think he's going to win this week. Yeah, and the, but the, uh, the forecast does favor him and many other experienced players uh, as the, today's rain seems to be the last of the week in cooler conditions. Uh, throughout the weekends with highs in the 60s. So the course should play firm and fast 
Uh, maybe a little wind whipping on Sunday uh, is what they're calling for. So certainly will be a difficult test, but we will get to the final score prediction later. And I completely agree with Reed. I think that he will show some flashes, and I think he will definitely be in the middle of the pack. I think he will make the cut. Uh, just what I was watching, I watched him on the range today for about an hour. Um, great on Masters.com. They do a great job of laying that out. I was super impressed. Um, but I'm not a website reviewer. I'm just a, a, a man. But the point is is that I think that he has the golf swing, but the physical aspect isn't going to be there. I think the, t- the grueling nature of the Masters will wear on him. It comes Sunday, I think a 74 kind of dud round is within him. Um, so that's why I think that he will not have a chance to contend. But going on to the next headline, uh, Hideki Matsuyama struggled with a neck injury, withdrawed from the Valera Texas Open last week. Um, Reed, what do you think about his chances to uh, contend and defend his title this year? I don't see him as one of the favorite favorites. However, I wouldn't have said that last year either. He's certainly been in it before. He's one of those players that seems to get Augusta, and he plays well there. Um, I was excited when he won last year. I think he definitely deserves it. As of now, I think there's other players that are hotter and have a better shot at knocking him off. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix. Only one or two back on Sunday, though. Yeah, he certainly uh, got the game, but I just think that a lingering injury heading into this week just isn't going to be uh, the type of deal that he's going to be able to recover from. You know, that's a lot of pressure. Everything already has to go perfect to win at the Masters, and I just think this that pressure is going to be too much. You know, if you're worried about your neck or your shoulders, you know, you're going to be tentative. You need to have brutally, you know, decisive execution on the back nine on Sunday. So I think that he does not have a very good chance uh, to defend his title. Um, but the new world number one after winning the uh, match play uh, bracket is Scotty Scheffler and defeating Reed's guy, Kevin Kisner. Reed, uh, what do you think of Scotty's you know, happy-go-lucky manner, and how will that translate to uh, his potential success at Augusta? Well, I uh, certainly like him better when he's not beating Kiz in match play. Um, he's been on an absolute tear. He, we haven't seen him really contend in a major, as far as I can recall. He hasn't been in the mix at Augusta. He hasn't had that that massive um, opportunity to win the big one. However, I see him as one of the favorites this week. He's playing absolutely fantastic golf. And just this week, when it when you get a course like this, especially if it's windy on Sunday, he proved that when there's wind, he can hit the shots that he needs to. I'm really excited to see how he plays at Augusta, especially with the new pressure of being the world number one. I think he's going to be a name you're going to be seeing on the leaderboards quite a lot on Sunday. Well, uh, big stuff there. I think that the, the pressure of the moment uh, will get to him. I do not expect him to contend, really. Um, but he is a very good iron player. Uh, maybe not the putter, I want to say. I mean, he's a solid putter. But he, he doesn't make the long putts uh, that you really need to you know get that momentum back because you're just going to make bogeys uh, at Augusta National. There's no avoiding it. Um, like when you play somewhere you know, like, um, excuse me, What's it? What's the place called? It's in Austin. The I can't think of it right now. Austin Country Club. Austin Country Club. Right there. That was the easiest thing I've ever heard. But <laughs> the point is, he's not. He doesn't make those clutch putts um, where you got to make those fifteen footers. I just don't see him uh, contending in that manner. And so three other big names uh, that could contend a mix of you know high profile players and champions. Um, if you had to bet, uh, Reed, obviously, I hope you're not betting yet. Um, would you rather bet on Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, or Dustin Johnson? 
I think Justin Thomas is the easy answer here, and I'll go with that one. Jordan has had a inconsistent run. He hasn't been in a top 10 in some time. Just last week, he went and finished 35th in his title defense at the Texas Open. Uh, meanwhile, Dustin Johnson has fallen out of the top 10. While he's still a dominant player and absolutely has the capabilities to turn Augusta on its head and just shoot ridiculously low scores, I haven't seen enough out of him to think he'll do it this week. Justin Thomas is always the guy who you know is going to step up. He has the major experience. He won at Quail Hollow back in 2017. And you got to really like his chances to go out and get a Masters. Um, I agree that Justin Thomas has a chance. I think Dustin Johnson, the fatigue is starting to wear on him. I think we're forgetting how old he is, you know, approaching 40 in a couple of years, years here. And I think Jordan, he knows his course well. It will play to his favor with the conditions being difficult. Came in third last year, maybe not playing his best, uh, but I, I listened to his press conference today. He said the slow greens at Texas really messed him up. He, he says he's loving the Augusta greens right now. Obviously, we'll see how that changes uh, with the rain they just had today. Um, but I think Jordan definitely has a chance to contend, and you can never count him out here um, because he is uh, one of the best putters in the world. And maybe he's not on that quite stretch he was on in 2015, um, but he's still one of the best putters in the world. And Reed, uh, looking at the conditions, um, what do you expect uh, to be the winning score? Um, I think you went. I think you reached over. I think you said twelve under last year. Hideki won it uh, ten under par. Um, so, uh, what is your prediction for this year? Ten under par seemed uh, a lot lower than, or sorry, a lot higher of a final score than I expected to see. I thought we were going to see some real scores out there, um, but the conditions didn't allow for that. This year, they've made some changes to the course. You have the removal of some of that second cut around a lot of the course. The most pressing one that I can think of is the ninth hole. Um, I like I like this direction that Augusta is going in. I think it's going to lead to more birdies, but I also think we're going to see a lot more mistakes, a lot more bogeys, maybe a few water balls on 11, which is always fun to see the tide turn there. I'm expecting to see an even higher final score here, somewhere around 8-under, where the final... The final day isn't necessarily a bunch of players making a run, but seeing who can hold on to their even far round. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, great points made there. Um, you know, I really like the changes they made. I think they're really trying to make the 11th, uh, you know, a second shot kind of hole. Um, obviously, the water is always in play, uh, but interesting what the wind does there because you know if. With the tees moved back to 515 yards, you know, if you could see, you know, the winds into a player um, who doesn't hit it necessarily that far. I mean, even Hideki, uh, like last year, you know, on Sunday you could be hitting a four iron in, and you're hitting a 220 yard shot over water. Um, you know, a lot can go wrong with that pin being tucked right next to the water on Sunday. Uh, so definitely going to be an exciting kind of hold on, uh, put the brakes on kind of back nine, not a shootout. I think this year for uh, sure should be. Should be fun to watch the 2022 edition of the Masters, the first major of the year, and a chance uh, to make a statement and make history. Um, but Reed, any uh, final thoughts here? Uh, looking at the last topic, uh, Bryson DeChambeau has some structural damage to his hand that has been healed. Um, what do you expect to see out of him after he's been very quiet? Um, ever since kind of his uh, Masters blow up last year, has not won uh, since then. Bryson has had a very um, up-and-down relationship with Augusta. You remember as an amateur, he went and he was very much in it over the course of the week, and then 
going into last year, he had all of the hype in the world to see would this guy come out and just absolutely bomb Augusta to shreds. And uh, we saw that that didn't happen. Um, he lost a little bit of respect for me that week, blaming it on some sort of lingering sickness, or I believe that's what it was. Um, I don't think he's going to be much of a factor this week. We haven't seen a lot out of him in a long time. Well, he's always got a bit of the wow factor for his distance and for his um, very recognizable swing. I don't think he's got the finesse to repeat what he did as an amateur. Yeah, a lot of pressure. Um, obviously, uh, on him anytime he tees it up, but just to see uh, with Tiger back, there's just so many storylines coming into this week. And uh, we'll see how they all play out. Uh, Reed Weichel, as always, is fantastic. We'll have him back next week to discuss what happened over the course of the four rounds. Um, but he's uh, a lot better than Brandel Chambly. Uh, you, most of you probably didn't get that joke, but, <laughs> you know, uh, we appreciate Reed's time. Great thoughts there. Um, Reed, final pick for the Masters, go. I like I like Will Zalatoris as a player. I want to see if he can do what he did last year, but I don't think he's going to be the one to do it. Cameron Smith has been on an absolute tear. He's got that penchant for winning big, big matches. Uh, he doesn't have a major yet, I don't believe, and this is as good a week as any. He just won the players, and I can't see anyone else having a better shot than him. Uh, I'm going to go with my man, Jordan Spieth, the quiet confidence, and I think the conditions will replay into his favor. And I'm very, I think the Tiger draw will really up the ante on this Masters, and I think this will be one for the ages. Uh, in 2022, but we'll have to see. Um, that is all the time we got on this segment. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, me and Sam will be back to talk about the NFL offseason, but Reed, thank you for your time, and we'll see you guys in the next segment. Uh, Welcome back to Cardinal Lowry, and we are back uh, with the NFL uh, with a little offseason moves, and Sam Carter, a notable Clemson and Deshaun Watson fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about the hottest thing NFL storyline-wise right now, and that's Deshaun Watson, who is currently uh, looking like he might be headed towards a trial, uh, but he has been traded to the Cleveland Browns. Sam, what are your thoughts on the move? Um, I think that this is a fine fit. Um, it does seem kind of odd to go to Cleveland. You know, he's from Georgia. Atlanta just, you know, parted ways with Matt Ryan. I mean, he was traded. Oh, true. This is this was a free agency. Um but still, I would have I would have tried to, you know, figure out a way to get with Atlanta before Cleveland, but he's out of Houston. He's with the team that can win games and make the playoffs. So, I think that this is a good opportunity for Deshaun Watson. And I gotta ask you, so often in sports when a figure is under trial or in talks of being under trial, uh, the fans have a hard time embracing him. Do you think that will affect uh, the play of the Browns? And do you think that will kind of affect his psyche uh, in terms of him coming back and returning to the form we saw uh, when Houston made that pl- a little playoff run a couple years back? Sorry, there's some thunder going on. Um... I do not think that it will affect his psyche that much. Um, I don't think it will bring bad stigma around the team. 
just because, you know, they're civil suits. They're not, he's not going to jail. You know, if anything, he's going to get fined. Obviously, I don't support what he did. Um, That's completely wrong. But I think that, you know, he has dealt with adversity before and he'll do it again and he'll win games. Mm, interesting to hear from Sam Carter. But moving on to our next headline, uh, Russell Wilson to the Broncos. Sam, uh, how surprised are you at this move uh, away from the Seahawks? Um, I just feel like Russell Wilson is – I don't know what the word is. I'm trying to think of it. But you think of Russell Wilson, you think Seahawks. You know? Epitome. The epitome of Seahawks. Maybe. But, I mean – the Broncos, man. The Broncos, they suck. Mm. It's well. Me. Maybe he's gonna turn this up. Franchise around. You got Jerry uh, Judy, obviously. Um, so you know, definitely got some weapons in Denver, and maybe you know they go on a little run. You know, but now you got the loaded AFC West and quarterback talent. You got Justin Herbert, mm. Patty Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. Sam. Which team wins that division next year with the exit of Tyreek Hill uh, away from the uh, Chiefs? The Chargers. Mm. Um, I Four like moves. I like the you know Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams trio. Um, I don't know. I just like it. He just likes it. Um, I completely agree with you. I think they got a lot of momentum. Obviously, that crazy little tie situation we had this year yeah. um, that could have you know, sent both teams to the playoffs, but, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I think they got a lot of momentum to build on uh, this year. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot to get to uh, in that division. Um, but, uh, excuse me, Carson Wentz going to Washington, Matt Ryan going to Indy, as Sam mentioned before. And, uh, you know, the NFC South a little bit wide open uh, for Tom Brady to take back. Um, but speaking of Tom Brady, we have not yet discussed his unretirement. Um, Sam, what do you think of the move? It's annoying. I think that it's like either quit or keep playing, which might sound hypocritical because I am a major fan of Michael Jordan. But I think it's different. It's different. <laughs> It's different. Uh, well, what will be different uh, for Aaron Rodgers will be Devontae Adams, no longer alongside him uh, in Green Bay. Instead, uh, Green Bay trading Devontae to the Raiders uh, in a move this past month. Uh, Sam, do you think that Green Bay has officially drawn the last straw and completely upset uh, Aaron Rodgers now? Um, I have no idea because Aaron Rodgers seems so – um, he's like an enigma. It's like, you don't really know what's going on in his head because mm. one second he's begging to be traded. Then he's about to retire. Then he's in love with green, green Bay. Um, I, I just have no idea. I honestly wish he'd retire already just so we can quit hearing about it. Wow. That's uh Mulworth and, uh, Tyreek uh, Hill, as I mentioned, is going to the Miami Dolphins, and Juju Smith-Schuster will p- replace him in Kansas City. And Sam, 
you know, we're going to talk about you personally. You, all your, your biggest, you know, pieces to your soup, your Steelers fandom are gone. Will you remain a Steelers fan? Yes. Yes, I never really liked Juju Smith-Schuster anyways. Um, we'll still have Najee Harris. Yeah, there you go. And you got T.J. Watt, you know, one of the, the best uh, defensive end seasons ever last season. Uh, so great to see him back in Pittsburgh, but Big Ben will be gone. And, um, you know, Sam, that is uh, it. We'll be covering the draft later this month. Uh, so we'll be back for that. But that's the end for this quick NFL offseason update. You know, shake it off. Get rid of that football. Uh, it's time to get back to basketball. Uh, but, Sam, any final thoughts on this uh, crazy uh, carousel of QB moves in the NFL offseason? Nope. Alright, that's going to do it for episode number six. I mean, excuse me, 73 of Cardinal Lowry. And you hear from us next Tuesday.